So the Lord had put something on my heart that has now kind of turned into a little series. And, and it's about being the church 24-7. Um, it's not just coming on a Sunday. It's not just the building. It's not just the event, this church, but being the church. Being the church when we're here and being the church when we're outside of these walls. Being the church in our homes, being the church in, in the workplace, in our schools. And when I talk about being the church, this is what I mean. It's the people of God filled with the Holy Spirit of God set apart for the purposes of God in the world that he created and loves. That's the church. The people of God filled with the Holy Spirit of God set apart for the purposes of God in the world that he created and loves. Two weeks ago, I, I made the statement that this isn't additional, this is intentional. That this is not about filling our lives with so much more stuff, even if it's good, godly church stuff. It's not about saturating our lives with stuff and adding more stuff, but being intentional with the lives that we have, being intentional with, with where he has placed us. Being intentional in our neighborhood. What neighbor is it God wants us to touch today? Being intentional in the grocery store when we stop to grab steaks for tonight. Is there, is there a specific checker that he wants us to go through their line? Is there someone that, that we need to just smile or encourage or pray for? As radical as that sounds. So I said, it's not additional, it's intentional. But I am here to tell you, I want to talk about something additional right now. I do want to talk about that there's something that we have to add. And I'm telling you right now, what I'm talking about today, we have to add for the life of this local church body, for us to be who God has called us to be, for us to thrive, to thrive as a church, there, there is addition that's needed. And so what I want to talk about today is the absolute non-negotiable, vital, someone give me superlatives, essential need for home groups. For home groups in this church. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Last week I talked about increase. I talked about enlargement. I talked about the Lord increasing our capacity, enlarging our tents. And I talked about the sacrifice that comes with it. I talked about that polar expedition and, and that Shackleton, you know, put that ad in the paper and, and there was sacrifice needed for the sake of greatness. Friends, how much more so are we willing to make sacrifice for the sake of our king and his greatness? Not just our own. So today I'm talking about being intentionally engaged intentionally engaged, intentionally locked in. I heard a story that was just incredible. There's a guy that was a publisher of a magazine and he had a couple of different web properties and he had been seeking an audience with this billionaire and uh, he just never got past the gatekeeper. And finally, the, the guy's admin uh, said, hey, um, we have a meeting we want to set up and you've got 30 minutes with him. And this publisher was absolutely amazed because for 30 minutes, this billionaire stayed locked in. 
and made eye contact and was engaged and asked questions and, and nodded and was completely present. And there was even one point that the receptionist, you know, his, his admin walked in and, and, he's, and he didn't even break eye contact. He said, uh, I'll get to that in one second. I, I've got 12 more minutes with him. And was locked in for 30 minutes. And at the end of that time, the publisher said, I, I've got to tell you, I'm completely amazed. Uh, I was humbled just to have audience with you and to have a meeting with you. But I've never been in a meeting where I had someone's attention. And he said, when I'm with some, and this is what the billionaire responded. He goes, when I'm with somebody, I am with somebody. When, I, when I'm with them, I'm intentional about that time. Otherwise, I don't schedule the meeting. If I wasn't going to be intentional about this time with you, I wouldn't have scheduled the meeting. But I did schedule the meeting. I don't have all day, but I, I have 30 minutes. And so you got 30 minutes of absolute attention. Being intentionally engaged. If we'll allow our, our minds to kind of think about it for a while, it's, it's, it's deep. When we're with our family, being intentionally engaged. In the workplace, being intentionally engaged. And we're right here in this place being intentionally engaged with God. So I'm talking about home groups. So what, what is a home group? Home group has a bunch of different names. You might have heard it called a connect group, a small group, a cell group. I tend not to use the last one, cell group. You know, back in the I think, 80s and 90s, it was used a lot. But now cell group has different connotations, like terrorism and... We just don't want to be associated. So we're good with either connect group, home group, small group, but we're not life group, but we're just not going to use cell group. Um, I got enough problems without the government, you know, coming down. What is a home group? It's a fair question because not everybody might know, not know what a home group is. So here is the definition that we have for a home group. A home group is an intentional gathering of people led by people within the local church who are in agreement with that church's leadership, vision, and values, who meet regularly for the purpose of love and obedience to God in joining His mission. I'm going to read it again. Actually, it's up there. Let's, let's all read it together, okay? I'm even going to turn this way. Home group. It's an intentional gathering of people led by people within the local church who are in agreement with that church's leadership, vision, and values, who meet regularly for the purpose of love and obedience to God in joining his mission. So let's kind of start with the end and work our way back. His mission. What's his mission? The Bible tells us that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That word save is the word sozo. And it's broken down like this. Save, heal, deliver. Rescue, touch, and set free. He came to do that to the lost. We know that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. We know that Jesus came to set the orphan into family. We can look all throughout the word and we can see what Jesus' mission is. But Jesus' mission is letting us know that we have access to God because of the completed work that He did. Obediently gave His life to the Father. Obedient to the Father and gave His life for us. I talked about the purpose and love, 
the purpose of love and obedience to God. We're going to get to that in a second. The intentional coming together in unity and in hope and in relationship and in faith and in need and in availability. So what are the personal benefits of being a part of a home group? How does it help you out? How does a home group help you out? How does it help your family out? These are good questions. So let me just rattle off. I just jotted down nine answers. Number one, discipleship. Two, study, knowledge, just increasing in knowing, knowing God, knowing what the Word says, you know, having Scripture hidden in your heart. Number three, curiosity and sincere questioning. Man, I love questioning. I love sincere questioning. I don't like loaded questions. I don't like, you know, I'm just trying to catch you in an aha moment and aha, you mispronounced that. And no, I don't like, I don't dig that. You know, but sincere questioning and curiosity, accountability, hospitality, encouragement, commitment, prayer, and socializing in relationship. Perhaps even building, you know, the opportunity for romantic possibility. I think in the Christian setting that is that is great. But there's there's many benefits to joining a home group. And I, and I just listed some of them, but I didn't list the best reason. And I just want to give you a heads up. The best reason for joining a connect group, a home group, it's totally counter-cultural, so you got to stick with me, okay? Our primary reason for joining a small group or a home group is to give us the opportunity to love and encourage other people in Christ. To give us an opportunity, an intentionally engaging opportunity to encourage people, to build up people, to be a friend to people, to make a difference in people's lives. That is the absolute best reason to join a home group. You know, it's interesting. If we truly believe this stuff that, that the Word of God contains, if we truly believe it, and we don't just look at it as optional or suggested reading, but we look at it as the Word of God that brings life and that changes lives, if we believe that and we act accordingly, man, the difference we could make if we truly believed this and lived our lives declaring that we believe it. You know, we all have needs. And, and here's the beautiful thing about a home group. Here's the beautiful thing about any relationship, to be honest with you. Here's the beautiful thing about marriage or friendship or brotherhood or sisterhood or any relationship we have. See, if I'm committed to meeting your needs. And they vary based on, based on the relationship. If I'm committed to meeting your needs and you're committed to meeting my needs, then I don't have to worry about my needs. They're getting met. If I will take my eyes off of self, if I will not make it about me, but I will 
trustfully and, and faithfully and hopefully say, okay, I'm going to be committed to, to pouring in and to ministering and to touching. And I'm going to trust that those that the God has surrounded me with will do the same. Then all of our needs get met. God doesn't want us just taking one for the team. God doesn't want us just, just toughing it out. He wants our needs met. He, he made us. And we're unique and we're wonderful. Our primary reason for belonging to a home group that I just described is, is as simple as this. It's not about me. It's about them. And it's about them because of Jesus. It's not about me. It's about them. And it's about them because of Jesus. And it doesn't matter where I'm sitting. It doesn't change. If I'm sitting over here, not standing up there preaching, but it's not, a, it's not about me. It's about them. And it's about them because of Jesus. I told you it's countercultural. Because our culture says, me, 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 I, I, I. You know, you know, get yours while the getting's good. Caring for others is what the Christian life is all about. John 15, 10 through 14 says this. This is Jesus talking. And he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. That's a good place to be, right? Abiding in His love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in His love. So Jesus is talking out of experience here. He's like, I know what I'm talking about. I've seen the benefits of this. I'm experiencing them right now. Trust me, go along with this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be full. He's saying, hey, in me being obedient to the Father, crazy amounts of joy. And I'm hoping that, that my joy that I'm experiencing would be in you. And it's going to be in you if you do what I say. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus hadn't yet given his life, but Jesus knew what he was going to do. And, and he's prophetically speaking here saying, you're going to see the greatest demonstration of love you've ever seen. And it's going to be followed in three days by the greatest demonstration of power you've ever seen. You're going to see the greatest demonstration of obedience you've ever imagined. And then you're going to see fulfillment of promise like you've never seen. And Jesus tells us to love in this way. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. For you are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. John 14, 15 and John 15, 14 make the boldest and most audacious of statements. And I just read one of them and now I just want to read those back to back. John 14, 15, Jesus says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then John 15, 14, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. 
I'm audacious. I can be pretty audacious. I, I really can. It's part of my temperament. I've taken different temperament tests. And audacity is one of the traits of my temperament. I, I can ask for anything. And I, it doesn't, like, phase me. I don't feel bad about it. Dude, that's a sweet truck. Would you like to give that to me? And I haven't gone there yet. But that, where's Brian? Brian's got a sweet truck. I've never said anything this audacious. Quite simply, Jesus said, love as I loved and be willing to lay your life down for others. And if you don't, and if you don't, and if you don't, I will know that you are neither my friend nor do you love me. Audacious, right? Bold, right? I couldn't get away with it. I don't know any any pastor or preacher that could get away with that statement, but Jesus did, and it's truth when Jesus says it. So here's the thing. I don't think Jesus is saying... You've got to be willing to jump in front of a speeding bullet and take a bullet for someone. I, I don't think that's quite what, what he's going at. It's, it's pretty awesome, and it does fit into this. But I think Jesus is saying, are you willing to yield the busyness of your life for the sake of someone else? Are you willing to be vulnerable, even though I know you got hurt, that that friend beat you up pretty bad. Are you, are you willing to be vulnerable for my sake so that you can touch someone else with my love? Are you willing to be hurt again? Are you willing to fail again? Are you willing to be rejected again? Are you willing to, or have you made the declarative statement, I'm done, never again, no more. I won't do it. See, a lot of times people say the, the phrase, I can't do that. Oh, Pastor Mark, that's so hard. I can't do that. Can't, that's, that's not a true statement you just made. The word can't isn't a true statement. The truth is you're saying, I won't do it. I won't do it. Jesus isn't worth it. Are we, are we willing to be vulnerable? Are we willing to be hurt? Are we willing to be betrayed? Are we willing to be rejected? When I'm talking about home groups, I'm just letting you guys know right now, I'm giving you a peek behind the, the curtain, like, you know, the Wizard of Oz, like a peek behind like these different church truths that people don't like to talk about because it's just too vulnerable. So I'm just going to go ahead and give you a glimpse behind the curtain. When someone wants to start a group, when someone wants to start a connect group or an interest group or a study or something, pastors are both excited and pleased and scared to death. Because we know the human condition and we know that as soon as that person throws it out there and makes themselves vulnerable and starts a study that they're passionate about and sharing or they start a group or they start an interest group or they say, we're going on a hike or I'm going to lead a, a home group. They're putting themselves out there. And I know the human condition. And in our minds, we're like, this group will, I will feel like this group is a success if I have seven people and then all of a sudden one shows up or none show up or two shows up and now that person gets hurt and wounded and disappointed and the the numbers are ridiculously high how many people leave a church after that because they've now been rejected by the church again or the pastor didn't come to the group or the pastors didn't come to the group and so now now the pastor rejects me I'm telling you I'm I'm being honest with you it both excites me and terrifies me. 
when someone says, I'm going to start this study, and we put it in the bulletin, and we announce it, because then if no one comes, it's what? I've been rejected. I've been turned down. I've, it's not worth it. I put myself out there, and look, no one came. You guys, I want you to know that I love preaching to a full room. I love it. I've, I've preached to rooms of, I don't know what the biggest crowd was. The church in Aurora was, I don't know, six, seven, eight hundred. I don't know whatever it was. It was awesome. It was so cool. When you, when you, when you had a point that was good and you get all these amens, it's like a sea of amens. And you're like, ah. it does. It feels good. It's not why I do it, but I'm just being honest. It feels good. But when we planted this church, there's times I've preached in front of my family or I've preached in front of my family and two other people. Or there's times we're in the community center. This is a great story. Uh, we had a launch party in July of 2010. We planted the church in January of 2010. And then we outgrew the, li- the living room and we moved to the Erie Community Center. And we had our launch party. And we invited everyone we knew. And we had 180 people show up for the launch party. It was awesome. To this date, it is still the biggest service we've ever had at Impact Rock. 180 people. The next week, by the way, Andy and Kim Smith, the Smiths, were at that service. They came to that launch party. And they're like, and, and, and the Lord spoke to them and said, you are home. Stop looking for a church. You're home. They came to that launch party. That was their first time ever. And the next week, we had 18 people from 180 to 18. I felt like the biggest shyster in the world. I'm like, we just did the biggest rope-a-dope ever. And when the Smiths came, they were like, where's all the people? Where's all the people? And I got to tell you, that was one of the hardest weeks for me to get up there and preach. Because I'm like, Lord, couldn't some of them have stayed? I'm just being vulnerable. And when we're talking about having home groups... In a, in a little bit, I'm going to have, I'm going to identify the, the people that are starting groups. And I just want you to know that th- their groups can't thrive without you. They're making themselves vulnerable. They're putting themselves out there. But guys, we need to put ourselves out there as well. There are many ways that we can love and encourage other people in our groups. I'm just going to quickly go over four powerful ways that you, you can love and encourage and minister to others by being a part of group. Trinity recently, I was talking and I was using my hands a lot and Trinity's like, you know, Pastor Mark, you shouldn't point. You know, you should do this. You know, and and so I'll, I'll, you know. So, so sorry for pointing at you. But here are, here are four ways that you can encourage people, that you can love on people, that you, and you and you and you, can love on people, okay? Powerful ways. Number one, the power of presence. The power of presence. I want to read a passage from Isaiah 43. It's out of the Message Bible. Um, I, we don't have it up here, but I want you to hear this. Isaiah 43, 19 says, Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert. Rivers 
in the badlands. You guys, God, God makes so many efforts to make it easy for us to come to Him. Easy for us to come to His love and to His grace. Jesus did the heavy lifting. Jesus did the hard work so that for you and I it could be as simple as believing and trusting and coming to Him. Be alert. Be present. You guys, just, just being there without fail at church or at home groups, it's a powerful encouragement to others that sends this message. It says, being with you matters so much to me. Being with you is so important to me. Encouraging you is so important to me. And I'm going to be here and I'm going to be here regularly. Because when I know when I come into that home group, encouraging you, even though I'll walk in with needs myself, encouraging you and loving you and pointing you to Jesus is what's on my mind. You're on my mind. Be present. The power of presence. Number two, the power of prayer. James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That, that, that passage is in the bulletin right now because uh, on the 18th, there's going to be a, a women's breakfast where women are going to come together and they're going to fellowship and have breakfast together and then they're going to pray for our kids as the kids are getting ready to go back to school. They're going to pray for our children and our grandchildren and our neighbors and our strangers. But they're going to pray for kids. And so the, the, ladies ministry, the women's ministry put this verse in there. said, we want this verse in the bulletin. Prayer works. Prayer is powerful. Prayer makes a difference. Would you please raise your hand if you've ever been impacted by somebody, an individual, saying, can I, can I pray for you? and just praying for you right then and there. Raise your hand if you've ever been impacted by someone who cared enough to pray and who took a step of faith. All of us. Praying for one another is one of the most loving things we can do. It's one of the most affectionate things we can do. It's one of the most powerful things we can do. Even that, that passage, confess your sins one to another so that you might be whole. There's power in, in, in being vulnerable with a trusting friend, a trusting person, and even confessing our sins or confessing our weaknesses or our shortcomings or where we've missed it or where we need help. It's powerful, guys. There's power in it. Number three, the power of personality. It's interesting because Peter didn't didn't have my notes, but he, he read from Psalm 139 today during worship. Psalm 139.14 says this, I praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This is kind of cool, okay? He says, he just gets done saying, you know, you, I, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Next sentence, wonderful are your works. He's talking, wonderful are your works. I can be pretty great sometimes. 
I can tickle myself sometimes. That was funny. That was funny. I'm not always funny, but that moment was funny. I, I, I can surprise myself. Man, I'm so proud of myself right now. We, we, we can have those moments because we're certainly going to have the moments where we go, I'm so disappointed in myself. Ah, it's hard not to beat myself up right now. I, I, but we're wonderfully made. We're fearfully made. We're thoughtfully made. You're incredible. And there's power in your personality. And you are needed in a home group. You quirky little thing. You're needed. Your strengths are needed. See, you think it's stubbornness. I say it's strength because Jesus says it's strength. We just got to fine tune it. You say you're shy. I say you're an incredible listener and you're attentive. And you're wiser than those of us that just talk all the time. I say you're needed. God says you're needed. Your personality is needed. We need diversity. We need diversity. You know, being, being the lead pastor, I, I have the honor of I get to pick my team. It's an honor that I don't take it lightly, but I get to, to, to pick people that I you know, pour into and say, now go pour into others. And I want diversity on that team. I don't want everyone to look like me. I don't even know if I want anyone to look like me. I want everyone to have the same passion for Jesus I have. But, but they don't got to look like me. They don't got to talk like me or preach like me. They just got to love Jesus like me. Hopefully more than me. Hopefully more demonstratively than me. Your personality is needed. And in a home group setting, you are awesome. Your contribution is awesome. I have a friend, Mike Mason. You know, all throughout college, the homeboy hardly ever talked. But when he did, the room was silent. Because when he had something to say, it, it was impacting. You're needed. If you talk as much as me, you're needed. Because what you've got to say matters. Your words matter. You matter. You are needed and celebrated. The last one is the power of phileo. I had to stick with the alliteration. I had alliteration going on. So it's the power of love, but phileo is where we get the, the words Philadelphia. It's brotherly love. The power of love. The power of brotherly love. John 15, 13 says this, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. It's really hard for us to feel loved if we won't love each other. I felt loved this morning. I felt loved this week. I had people that were very intentional about just speaking life or sending a scripture or encouraging me or hugging me or, or, or giving me a handshake. I felt loved because people made me feel loved. We've got to make each other feel And love requires sacrifice. It does. I, I get it. I know you've been hurt and I've been hurt too. And, and it hurts. 
I know being vulnerable is scary and making a commitment is scary at times as well because you're like, first you say that it's not about addition, it's intentionality. Now you're telling me to add a home group to my life. Yes, I am. Because it will be awesome. It will be powerful. And it's what God intended. It said that they met in the church and that they, they were together outside of the temple. We're supposed to do life together. We are the church. We are the church. And we're supposed to do this 24-7. And in that small group setting, there's opportunity. There's opportunity to teach. You want to practice your gifting? There's opportunity. There's opportunity to pray and to minister and to do so in a safe setting. Yeah, friends that won't come to church, will they come to church? Will they come to a group with you? Will they come into your home? We should be inviting neighbors. This isn't just for us. We should be inviting neighbors and co-workers and strangers. God made sacrifice so that you and I could know that we are loved. God made sacrifice so that we would know, so that we'd be absolutely convinced that we are loved. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And that son freely gave his life. He, he didn't do it under... No one made him do it. He willingly and obediently and sacrificially said yes to what the Father asked. Why? So that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You guys, home groups are tangible, man. They're just tangible. They're, they're real. And I'm just being honest with you. It's time. It is time. We have if tables that are a, a form of home group where the people are coming together and women are going to make meals together and eat a meal together. And I'm hoping that, that more home groups come from the, the if table. The, the, am I saying it right? The if tables? The, the if table. But we also have three groups that are, that are starting in the fall. So, Kim, would you stand up, please? So, Andy and Kim Smith and their family, they live in Frederick. They're starting a home group. Jeremy, would you stand up, please? Jeremy Simpson lives here in Erie, and he's starting a home group. Sherry, would you stand up, please? Sherry and David live here in Erie, and they're starting a home group. That's three. Now, Karen and I, we're, we're, we're trying to find the bandwidth to be able to add. We want to start a home group as well. And, and we're just asking the Lord to, to make it so. We, we, and at some point, we're going to add one in as well. But for right now, there's three. But guys, for these groups to thrive, you are needed. If you've been before, you, you know how awesome they can be. I, I listed some of the benefits of them. If you've never been, I'm telling you guys, they're wonderful. They just, such a, a real tangible way of, of just pointing each other to Jesus. And, and they're needed. And for us to be the church that God's called us to be, I know it's a small crowd today, but let's say at some point, all 120 people that are on our church roster all showed up at once. My desire would be that we have 100% participation in home groups. People pointing each other to Jesus, doing life together, being the church together. 
God wants us to see that He is present in our lives by His Holy Spirit, that He is at work in our lives by His power, and that He is eager to be glorified through your life, your joy, your vulnerability, your growth, all for the fame of Jesus Christ, all for the glory and the fame of Jesus Christ. Now we got to do it. We got to do it. I, 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 I can't brow you, beat you into it. I can't manipulate you into it. I can't physically make you do it. None of that. Nor would I want to. But now we got to do it, guys. Now, so I, I say this. Those three uh, individuals that stood, the couples that stood, let's connect. Be in a home group, lead a home group. You know, but let's let this thing expand and blossom and grow and thrive. Thank you for the people who are leading home groups. Thank you. I, I applaud you. Thank you. But church, let's make sure we understand something. They can't succeed without what? Without us. Being the body. Being the church. <laughs>